My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's the Irishman in America podcast back as always on a Friday with the legend Marion McKeown of the Sunday Business Post and wherever you consume her stuff, whether it's on Today FM with Matt Cooper and the jousting matches with Cal Thomas. If you enjoy this podcast, the best way to hear the whole lot of it is over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Every single week, you get double size episodes and access to our full back catalog. And today you will need the deep dive because we have an awful lot to get through. You can go back and forth and around the houses about what Donald Trump is guilty of and what cases actually stand a chance of finding him guilty. But is there any chance that he could be disqualified from running for president? Well, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution's 14th Amendment seems to be the best chance of doing that. Marion, can you explain a little bit better what this idea of if you're engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States and given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, you shouldn't be allowed to run for president. Seems like a crazy idea to me. Hello, Charles. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And you know what? It's like the first day back at school. If you had to do your leaving search on the first day back, there is so much to get through in terms of just all the crazy legal stuff alone, never mind all the other stuff we're going to chat about. Um, this We spoke about this after January 6th in, in one of our, our editions, and we referenced the 14th Amendment, and as you said, Section 3, which basically says... As you just said, anyone who engages in insurrection or rebellion after taking an oath to uphold the Constitution will be ineligible thereafter to hold office. Seems like a perfectly sensible thing. It's like if you're a fireman and you decide to go around burning buildings, you probably shouldn't be a fireman. You know, I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, you can't be a fireman anymore after that. You're That's a fireman. Yeah, sorry. If yeah. you burn down the firehouse, we're not having you back. So, yeah, so this was something that a couple of very smart guys, one of them is Norm Eisen, who, who ran a, a, a group called Crew Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. And uh, he, he was talking about it. And now the upshot has been toing and froing is that six people in Colorado, six voters have filed a lawsuit in Colorado saying they want to keep Trump off the state's ballot. So it would only be Colorado's ballots. It's not a federal case they're bringing under the 14th Amendment because they're saying, look, he shouldn't be on it. He, you know, engaged in insurrection or rebellion. We have the tapes. We've seen the footage. And uh, thank you very much. We think that we should be enforcing our constitution. So this case will be heard, obviously, 
it will be appealed. I suspect that these voters are quite well funded, probably not by George Soros, who, of course, is blamed for every case ever brought by a Democrat in the world. Uh, yeah. But um, and you can be sure that Donald Trump will will uh, appeal it if if the the court does uh, say, you know what, you must be onto something here. In a way, now, although I think theoretically this is correct, I would prefer to see to let the criminal trials go ahead and to have Trump be convicted there and then apply this 14th Amendment. Because I think, even though I think it's probably correct, I think that then what happens next to someone else, like do you then have a bunch of, of people trying to block some other candidate and they use this as a ready-up? I think try Trump. God knows he's got enough trials coming up um, in Georgia, in Washington, not to mention Miami and everywhere else. And um, and I think if a jury convicts him, then I think, yes, this, this should probably be used. But it's so bold. It doesn't say who should find that he engaged in insurrection. Should it be a bunch of voters in, in Colorado? Should it be a criminal trial? Should there be an impeachment? You know, I, I think that because the wording is very vague, that it, it's tricky. It's it's it, it's mm. on tricky ground. But the, the whole thing is tricky. And when oh I thought God. we'd start oh, the yeah. episode with this, it is to me the overarching, the, you know, the more, I guess, the more general take on what's going on because in some ways this week I've been reflecting on it and you know, we've recorded an awful lot and I'm really grateful to our listeners are coming on a, the journey with us for the last three years but sometimes and I'm sure you find this you kind of can't find up from down and you start to wonder is this man even viewed as a person, as a citizen of the law that has to abide by the laws. He certainly doesn't see himself that way. I've been reading the Bono book the past while, and he referenced how he thought Americans that watch wrestling were stupid uh, up t until he realized, no, no, they view it as theater. They recognize that it's not real and that these are characters. I feel like Donald Trump views politics as theater, as wrestling, and he is breaking a chair over his opponent's head and he lost the title to Joe Biden and he's going to get it back on the basis that I'll make him pay for taking my title from me. That yeah. I, I kind of start, what I'm trying to get to here is start to wonder if he thinks you can't prosecute me, it's wrestling. This is how politics works. But this here, this amendment, section three, says, yeah, in the midst of that, though, you know, you tried to break wrestling, you tried to break the theater. And so it gives us a better chance of taking a view from the outside that would say, and therefore you can't run again. Am I wrong in all of what I've said there? No, and I think it's I think it is a good analogy. I think probably the whole reality TV thing is another one that we've spoken about before, where he feels like this is about ratings or it's about money, because obviously the, you know, when he was president, it was all about the ratings and the attention and the whatever and the power. When he was when he lost, it was about monetizing his loss as to as great a degree as rapidly as he could by claiming mm. lies and fraud, etc. I should say while he was in office, he was no slouch about enriching himself either, let's face yeah. it. And and his children likewise. But I think that in in that, like even the WWF has rules. Like you can't bring a gun into you can't bring a loaded gun into a ring. 
and shoot yeah. your opponent. You know, yeah. so so basically, even within the farce and the theatre and and the the nudge nudge of of wrestling, you know, yeah, the, there's the, limits. There are rules and there are limits, and and Trump just busted all of the rules um, when it came to the election. Because even though there are limits, you cannot do what he did in Georgia. You cannot phone up a you know Secretary of State and say, find me another 11,780 votes, you know, enough to swing the state him, or else I might actually start a criminal investigation into you. You know, and mm. you, you can't do that. You can't, yep. uh, like Giuliani did, you can't claim that a perfectly innocent mother and daughter who are making very little money as election officials were passing each other, you know, a, a USB port and um, full of information that was going to flip the state. You can't do that because that destroyed their lives. You know, you cannot do these things. And I think, like, what happened in, oh, jeepers, you know, and I've, I've even had experience in courtrooms. And even today, I thought this poor judge, this 34-year-old Perfectly nice, amicable, cello-playing, tennis champion, skiing, scuba diving, snorkeling judge who, who seems like a very well-rounded chap all round, who seems to have a lot of experience in everything except running a courtroom because he's only been a judge for eight months and he's only 34. I just thought, how in the name of God is he going to handle this? Because he did make some decisions this week and he did say, okay, Sidney Powell and Ken Chesbra. You two are part of this RICO conspiracy because we have just, a, I'll be really brief here, very brief recap. We have 19 defendants who are involved. They've all pleaded guilty. They didn't turn up on a bus together, as, as we joked last week. They didn't even turn <laughs> up on a bus. They just phoned it in. They just said, yeah, none of us are guilty. And, you know, there you go. So now the case moves on to the next stage, which which that's the arraignments and the trial will be next. And obviously there'll be lots of motions in between. So today, the first... What's happening is you have several of the 19 defendants want separate trials. Some of them want fast trials. Some of them want to wait for 20 years, i.e. Donald Trump, if at all possible. Some of them want the cases to be heard in the federal court. Some of them want them to stay in state court, but they want them outside of the jurisdiction uh, that they're currently in because they think the jury will be biased against them. You have, it is like a spaghetti junction, or it's actually like a giant bowl of spaghetti with a million different threads that you have to unweave. So today, this judge, uh, Scott McAfee, took the first step and he said, okay, Sydney Powell, we remember her well from uh, <laughs> Four Seasons Landscape Gardening and indeed the RNC press conference where she told us how Hugo, Ch Hugo Chavez from the grave was involved in flipping votes from Trump to Biden. So Sidney Powell wanted an early trial. So did Ken Chesborough, who was, of course, the guy who came up with the whole fake elector scheme, a Wisconsin lawyer. So he said, OK, you two can have your early trials. You're both going to trial on the 23rd of October, as you requested, but you're not having separate trials because basically this is a RICO trial. It's all the same witnesses. It's all the same everything. So you're in it together. Like okay. it, it. So that was one thing done then. Uh, then the prosecution said, we want everyone tried on October 23rd. And you could see him just kind of going in the courtroom. And it is interesting because it is televised and thinking you've got a hundred and 50 plus witnesses. You've got 19 defendants. Every one of those witnesses will be, can be cross-examined 19 different times by each lawyer for each of the defendants. What in the name of God kind of shit show is this going to be? Uh, so he he seemed skeptical and he kind of said that at best, that they could, that Fannie Willis and her team of prosecutors could pull off 
a RICO trial where 19 defendants are tried at the same time. Separate from that, you've Mark Meadows, who wants a federal trial. So do a couple of the others. So does Ken Clark. Mark Meadows was Trump's chief of staff. He says, well, I was working in my capacity as the White House Chief of Staff, that's a federal job. Therefore, I can't be tried in a, tried in a state trial with all these yobos, basically. Uh, th- that is being heard by a separate judge in a separate court. If he wins, it's very likely that Trump will try the same thing because the reason being, a federal trial, you have a jury that's drawn from 10 different counties. It's more likely to be a pro-Trump jury. And also, of course, if it's a federal conviction, he can pardon, well, I don't know if he can pardon himself. I suspect he'd certainly try if he's re-elected or if there's a, a Republican president, he can do it for him. So it suits Trump definitely to be in a federal court. So you've got all of this going on. And it's just, and so I don't know how this is going to play out. Uh, Fannie Willis said, and her, her prosecutors said, it'll take about four months for, for us to conduct our end of the trial. Jury selection is going to take at least two months. Uh, the judge said, look, we're talking eight months realistically, which would take us up until June. My sense is that Donald Trump is his trial and that of most of the other defendants will not be heard before the election. I cannot see how it can happen. It's it's just too kind of huge. He's not going to give them all different trials, but there could be, I think, two or three different batches of trials conceivably. And basically, I think what, again, what the prosecution is gambling is that, look, the 12 or so, the dirty dozen on the lower rung, the, the no marks, the people we don't even care about, who did a couple of bits and pieces, that they're all going to fold and plead guilty. And then you'll be left with the seven big guys, which would be Trump, Cheeseborough, Powell, Giuliani, Eastman, um, Clark and Jenna Ellis, the other lawyer for Trump. Uh, so that would be the big seven, the, the not so magnificent seven, if you will, and that they would then hopefully, except for Cheeseborough and Powell, that the other five could all be tried together. So if it worked out that way for the prosecution, that would be pretty terrific. Who knows? Because as I said, there'll be motions, there'll be appeals. We had more stuff going on down in Florida. We also had a bad bit of news for Trump separately in the E. Jean Carroll trial, where another very no-nonsense judge, Lewis Kaplan, uh, said basically that he was entering a default judgment for um, E. Jean Carroll. You know, she had another case that's supposed to start on the 15th of Mm -hmm. uh, January, the same day as the Iowa primary. And basically, Kaplan said, look, these issues have all been decided already in the New York case. They've all been decided. So all we're concerned about is the money. It's not a matter of whether or not you did it. That's been decided. Um, it's a matter of how much you should be pay- she, you should give her, and you know, a, a second settlement, basically. So again, that's not good news for Trump. And then there's just been, as I say, again, just a bunch of other stuff that's going on in the. There are so many legal weeds that I don't want to drag everyone down into them. But I but, think but the, just. Yeah, just yeah. let me jump in there on the Eugene Carroll thing. The piece that I read during the week was that it had been ruled that he had uh, defamed a wild president. Is that connected yeah. to what you're talking about here? That's the one. So basically, there were two different trials. Now, Trump defamed Eugene Carroll first in 2019 before the, the New York law came in, which gave everyone 
a year in, in, in the case of... So basically, we have two different situations. She was bringing a case against Trump. It was going to be very problematic for her because of statute of limitations, because Trump was president at the time that she says he defamed her. And Bill Barr at Trump's behest said, oh, Trump was talking in this capacity as president. There's a law that says you cannot sue anyone personally who's a public official. Now, it's very unlikely that law applies to a president, especially when he's talking about defaming somebody who alleged he raped her 20 years earlier. Uh, Mm. So it was a bit messy. But anyway, what happened was a a law was passed in New York that gave adult survivors of sexual abuse a year, a year window starting from November 23rd last year to file any civil actions against the, 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 the persons that they claimed had sexually abused them. So she immediately ran with that. And that was how she got her conviction in the courtroom in Manhattan and the $5 million in damages where the jury found that Trump had sexually abused her and that he had also defamed her. Uh, now, And that stemmed from a, a, the things he had said in 2022. This case she couldn't touch because the inexplicably Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice said, oh, after Bill Barr, you know, disappeared, they said, well, we're going to keep defending this case on Trump's behalf. Then about a month ago, they said, OK, you know what? We're not going to bother. We're not going to bother. It's OK. And have at him. And at that point, then Kaplan was in a position to say, well, look, these issues have all been decided. They were all decided in New York. A jury found that you did, as a matter of fact, that you were um, civilly liable for sexual abuse and defamation. So it's this. these are the exact same set of circumstances. So all we're going to do here is decide on um, the, the, the level of damages that are due for the 2019 defamation, not the 2022 one. The 2019 defamation when Trump as president called her a liar and said she was just trying to sell books and she wasn't his type, et cetera, et cetera. So there were two, it, it, it all came from the one, um, sexual assault, but there were two separate defamation cases. And I believe she's also added on because he then defamed her again after the trial and after the conviction. So I'm not sure where that one is weaving in, but but she said she was also going to look for additional damages for that, for the third defamation. But anyway, so this is not good news for Trump, basically. It, it means he's going to have to pay out more money. Well, Marion, I noticed that you're not on Instagram, and I don't know if that's just a decision to declutter your life, but that algorithm over there knows me quite well. And the same on TikTok. And it keeps throwing me videos of Trump supporters being confronted with truth and facts and them saying, well, I don't believe it. Nancy Pelosi, she... Start, is very responsible for what went on then. She planned it. She she planned what happened? I believe so. Why did she plan to get attacked by a mob of Trump supporters? Because she wanted to be able to blame it on the Trump supporters and have something bad to say about them. Shouldn't we investigate that? Uh, yes. So you must be watching the January 6th committee. <laughs> no. Do you think Joe Biden is a socialist? Okay. Yes. How would you define socialism? I define socialism when you bring down your own country your own race, because he's not black. I'll tell you exactly why I don't like him. He's got a big ego. He thinks he's better than God. You're, uh, Trump, Trump said he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and get away with it. No, I don't think so. He did say that. No, he didn't. No. It's on tape. No, I don't believe it. No, that's fake. I swear to God, you can watch it. Fake news, fake news, fake news. Fake news.
And when you bring up, you know, the Rico case is going to be really messy. And, you know, even the E. Jean Carroll thing, which is now getting more convoluted, it does play into the hands of these, those non-believers, those on that side of all of this, who just can't and won't trust anything that comes out of the mainstream media, inverted commas. Does it worry you that the media has lost this battle for trust and that it's doing very little to win it back in terms of these people? Well, I think that they're separate things because juries make findings as matters of law and fact. So they found as a matter of fact, in in the New York case, for example, as a matter of fact, on the balance of probabilities, yes, Donald Trump did sexually assault E. Jean Carroll in a changing room in a New York department store. Uh, You know, and I don't think it's that complicated the issues so you have if a jury in georgia hears this case against trump the the rico case and there are 13 charges against trump there there are between two and 13 charges against 19 defendants that does make it very unwieldy but in fact what he's being accused of is not that complicated it's he's being accused of strong-arming election officials of coming up with these fake elector scams. The issues are not. And if you have evidence to support it, it's like even in the the case in Florida, we discovered this week as well that Evan Corcoran, his lawyer, had said to him, look, if you don't hand over these documents on foot of this subpoena, this was in Miami after he took all the classified documents. They, you know, they tried to get them back. They tried, they tried. They sent people down from the archives and the Department of Justice. Finally, he was hit with a subpoena and he still didn't want to give them back. And his lawyer, Evan Corcoran, said, if you don't give them back and respond to the subpoena, there's a good chance they're going to come with a warrant. There's a good chance of this. So Trump then doing his whole, oh my God, outrageous, outrageous. He was warned by his own lawyer they're going to come down here with a warrant. They're going to take this stuff. They know you have it. And now it seems that at that point, that um, was it then that Trump decided he was going to try and evade a search warrant because his lawyer had, and, and it was after that that he moved all the documents. So it seems like this case may be even more serious than we thought. But these are all, again, pretty simple facts. Like, you know, his lawyer says to him, you've got to do this. They're going to come with a warrant and they're going to take the stuff anyway. And then Trump orders his trusty aides, Walt Nauta and a couple of other guys, okay, you know, hide the footage, hide these boxes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not a mastermind criminal plot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's but, pretty but there's those that, Just These people that I am seeing over and over again, like don't even believe that these things are occurring that like the trial even exists that's called a cult <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i know but I, matter. Yeah. and i i've often said this that like in a movie like you remember the movie uh independence day with will smith yeah. uh, these kind of movies back in around the early 90s always had like a conspiracy theory bro who is you know got a, yeah. a, a kind of a crazy t-shirt on and red sunglasses and they were outliers, but now these people that don't believe that even footage they're seeing isn't faked are so frequent, or so yeah. my algorithm would have me believe, that that's an extremely worrying trend. Oh, yeah. uh, you're saying, though, when you say it's the cult, are you saying, now this is a sliver 
uh, there isn't that many of these, but when you find them, they are shocking. There are a lot of them. And honestly, Jarlath, like I have spoken to at every event, I would say this stage, thousands and thousands. And to people, I remember one woman who was a nurse. And again, she seemed like a really lovely woman. We were chatting for ages. And then we were speaking about January 6th. And she said that no police officers died as a result of January 6th. And I said, but the, you know, and about the, the police officer who died the next day, who had the stroke and who died, and then the other police officers who committed suicide as a result. And she went from being a really reasonable woman to she just flipped. She just flipped and and um, said, this is all lies. It's all lies. And you're right, because she was blaming the media for that. And, you know, it's interesting because just talking about the media, there is a bit of this in that 30 years ago, you had a couple of sources of news. You had the three broadcast networks. You had ABC, NBC, CBS. You had NPR, which was always well regarded. And you had PBS, which was the public broadcasting, the TV wing of, of NPR, which is the radio wing. And that was largely where people got their news from. And of course, they had the Wall Street Journal. And of course, they had the New York Times and the Washington Post. And, you know, you had Murdoch's conservative media as well. But and then you had CNN and Fox. But they I don't remember them being that sort of so so siloed in their in the people they spoke to, in the way they spoke, in the presenters. And I think that you have got a situation now in America where you've got social media, which is completely siloed. So all of the conspiracy theorists, well, no, actually only two million of them. <laughs> go to truth social because let's face it it ain't the big hit they thought it was going to be that's trump's site then you've got what half a billion on twitter or thereabouts and then you've got a, a lot more on facebook and, and various other sites but you well, so people will find people want their views reaffirmed they want their prejudices confirmed they want their spin they don't want to be proven wrong or to be proven misguided. They want to listen to news that will say to them, yes, you're right. And it's even worse than you thought. And mm. unfortunately, there are any number of outlets now. You have the wackos like Alex Jones, you have Newsmax, you have One American Network. You have all of these that that thrive and survive on conspiracy theories. And then you have MSNBC, which has some good people, but they can be too gleeful about Trump stuff and about these trials. There's an unseemly amount of glee sometimes, not amongst the very sober legal analysts that they bring on who are lawyers, but sometimes amongst the presenters, you want to go, look, this is serious stuff and it's not a gotcha. Uh, so, mm. so I think that on both yeah, sides, that, and I would say objectively, it's all the fantastical conspiracy theories come from the right. But there was a big study done earlier this year by YouGov, and it asked what media organizations people trusted the most. And this is in America now. This isn't in England. The Weather Channel. Okay, so <laughs> that was the number one. Because the Weather Channel, if it tells you it's raining, and you look outside and it's raining, you're going to go, God, they told me the truth. Um, and, then you, <laughs> and then you have PBS Public Broadcasting and about... 30% more people believe it than don't believe it. And the BBC, which BBC America is a pretty scrawny little service, but it has the BBC name. And even I do some work for the BBC radio. And when I'm speaking to people in preparation for that work, if you say BBC, even the sort of pretty suspicious people go, oh, right, the BBC, you're supposed to be really honest. So the BBC brand is still very strong in America. Wall Street Journal ranks well, inexplicably, because they do have some good journalism, but their editorials are, are, are delusional. 
broadly. And the, the Associated Press deservedly has a, a more 22% more people trusted than don't. And then you have ABC News, CBS, etc. They go down. And then I, it's the New York Times, only about 12% of people, more people trusted than don't, which isn't very good. CNN is at plus 7%. Uh, Fox News is at plus 3%, which is quite further down than, than CNN. MSNBC is at plus 5%. And then you go into the minuses. Uh, so you have Breitbart News, which is in the minuses. Far more people believe that it is totally delusional than is factual and the same for the daily caller which is tucker carlson's other side project and the same for alex jones's Infowars. so there is a kind of a um a sliding scale of trust and at the top it's pretty high but if you put all of those into the matrix and that's about 30 or 40 news outlets and then you divide it by that number you're going to come up with an overall average that's pretty low and pretty dismal but in fact the thing is that the the level of trust or distrust relates more to the specific news outlet than to the media in general. And I think that's the mistake people sometimes make. They go, only 2% of Americans trust the media. And um, well, you know, again, it depends on which one you're looking at. So, and yeah. And who you're polling. And, and indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, probably a lot of what you're saying here has a lot to do with the exact thing that I started off with here, the algorithm and places like Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> where... The scrolling and the flick by is what all of these channels are trying to guard against, including those that, as you say, are taking glee in these trials, that they're all desperately trying to hold on to somebody before yeah. they flick to the next thing with the con concentration yeah. level dipping year on year. Information or infotainment, as they call it, has to be, you know, I remember there was a thing that came out years and years ago that Americans were getting more news from Jon Stewart than anywhere else. Yep. I even feel that that started to ebb away in that the Daily Show isn't the, the beast that it once was. No, and as well, there's a writer's strike, so that's been exactly, gone. Exactly, yeah. So that's so gone ages, yeah. So, but we, we've got so much more to get to in the second half of the show and we might circle back around to this because it is the wider picture isn't it it's the it's the, the yeah. trust in wrestling itself and the wwf and whether you know we can even have a wrestlemania in 2024 like what do we what is that even gonna look like and i'd love to get your predictions as to how things might play out when those taking part and casting votes really are living on different sides of the moon. If you want to come over and hear that conversation and the entire episode, as I said at the start, patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. I'm off out on tour this week onwards, starting in Birmingham on Friday night. That's sold out. A few tickets left for Brighton on Sunday. Go to jigzer.com forward slash gigs to find out if I'm coming to your town. I am at the moment working out my US visa to put in some America dates uh, for June. So please do get in touch if you want me to come to wherever you are, to your local town hall. I'll put well, on I, a cake I know, there. I know several towns in America. They'll be very, very happy to see you, John. <laughs> <laughs> look forward to it. Okay, come on over. The second half of the show is jam-packed. We've only just scraped the surface. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. 
a lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.